Hello and welcome to the What Hi-Fi podcast. This is the oral companion to a magazine and a website that's been bringing you the best in consumer electronics advice for over four decades. My name's Simon Lucas and I'm the editor of whatHiFi.com and I am joined this afternoon around this rather too small desk by Ketan Baradia, who's our technical editor. Hello. Uh, features editor Kashvir Kabir. Hello. And news editor Becky Roberts. Hey there. So I thought we would start by talking about Munich. The three of you have been to Munich very recently. I didn't go to Munich. You went instead. Now, that was because it was a Munich high-end show. And for listeners, I should probably explain that the Munich high-end show is a show of high-end consumer electronics, and it's in Munich. So there's not a lot at play there. It's a very literal thing. But you spent what in total between you six days going around that show? Well, three mm. days for the three. actual show. Because mm. um, the first day on the Thursday, which I think was the first day that we were all there, was the, the trade day. Um, and then that's followed by the Friday, Saturday and Sunday that the public are allowed to go in too. So it's rather busy on those days. So we like to try and get most of it done on the Thursday. Thursday is press day, right? So it's only you and hordes of other European journalists milling about there. Badly dressed European yeah. journalists. <laughs> <laughs> not including ourselves. Well, not the UK <laughs> contingent, God forbid. No. So I'll start with you, Ketan, because you are so notoriously difficult to impress. Was there anything you saw at the Munich High End show that really excited you? Do you know, I went to Dan D'Agostino um, section and he's got a new app called The Relentless which is a great name for amps. It doesn't sound very positive, really, does it? <laughs> well, it's, it makes it sound quite single-minded. Yeah. yeah, so this thing's about the size of a baby elephant, and it's got an <laughs> output of about 6,000 watts. It's a monoblock. I did read uh, and the news story that we put on the website about this, and I think you're right when you say 6 uh, kilowatts. 6 kilowatts, yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's more impressive numbers attached to this, though, right? I'm thinking about the price specifically. Yes, so a pair of these is £275,000. You need two, because obviously <laughs> you have two speakers. Yeah, yeah because you said £275,000 then, right? Yes, and I do actually mean pounds. And you mean that? We just got the price this morning. Okay. Yes. I mean, I am going to play devil's advocate now, right, and, and do my part on behalf of the listeners and say, what for a pair of monoblock amplifiers, how can they possibly justify that? Do you know what my first reaction was? That's a bit cheap. <laughs> and, and the reason I thought that was when you look at Dan D'Agostino's range there's some great products we've reviewed the, the baby integrated amp and that's How much like was that, by the way? that's just over £50,000 oh it's okay so when, when Dan D'Agostino who was the founder of Krell introduces a brand new top of the range amp which is about the size of a baby elephant and weighs <laughs> 220 kilos each wow you kind of think well just over a quarter of a million, it could have been higher. You know, they, they kind of make up their own numbers and it could have been higher, but it wasn't, and that was surprising. Okay, but I mean, uh, when you talk about that kind of money and that kind of uh, weight and the amount of space that that would occupy, is, that, is it really consumer electronics? Probably not, but I don't think they need to sell that many. Okay. Becky, did you see these? I did, uh -huh. yes. Um, um, how big would you say it was? Baby elephant? Well, baby elephant, I don't know. I think it would be... Smaller than a baby elephant. <laughs> you need maybe to see a, maybe, a, maybe a newborn. You need to see them side by side to make yeah, a, that's a true, and comparison. I don't think. Although I was very surprised that the amount, you know, the, the size of the kit that they lug up to these, you know, second and third floors, yeah. I would not want to be there on open day. Well, the high end show is very showy uppy, right? I mean, the clues in the in the in the words high end, obviously, and a lot of people will want to be showcasing what they're capable of, right? Which in the case of Dan D'Agostino is absolute nonsense. There are very few things there that 
we would consider mainstream in terms of their price, right? Uh, no, it's actually more mainstream than that. I mean, they if you go to the Danone and Mirant or Sound United, as they, as they prefer to be branded everywhere, they've got their budget products. They've got their three and five hundred pound amplifiers and Okay, and are they and making so a big deal? Are they making a big deal of that? Or um, are they? they didn't seem to make a big deal of anything they had. Of that, <laughs> really, uh, I mean, they they were displayed along with the other things that okay. they had. There are more um, affordable pieces of equipment there, but it's just that the big ticket items and the glamorous kit is the thing that gets people's They're attention. The you know. Yeah, but they are there, and as Kat said, you know, there, there are quite a lot of affordable in. <laughs> In, 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 in I'm doing this is an audio marks. medium we're dealing in here <laughs> that's true but there, you know there were a lot of product launches at, at Munich and there were some you know affordable product launches and what did you see there that you were, found well Audio Lab for example they've introduced their, uh, or announced rather their um, first pair of headphones so they've okay. got two pairs of in-ear headphones um, which they're collectively calling the M-Ears um, and they've actually collaborated with ACS, which is a... Um, Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you there. Yeah. M ears. M, M ears. Thank you. I didn't want to just interrupt, but that was interruptible, definitely. <laughs> what does the M stand for in that case? Oh, for the massive, M range. Massive you know, because it's M dark, M, oh, okay. M range. What, what does yeah. it stand for? M? No, it's just a series, isn't it? That I suppose that they've, mm. they've alighted on. It's M's probably Music. a very... Uh, Music, music, music always does. If it doesn't, it should be musical airs. But anyway, (laughs) they've they've teamed up with um, an in-ear monitor specialist who I think are in more of the custom and pro world called ACS. I don't know if I've any of you heard of them. No. Well, anyway, they've sort of teamed up with them because they seem like they know what they're doing, Um, and they'll be available in the summer. Um, But while we're on the M range, Audiolab also showed us. Uh, a DAC and as you mentioned yeah. before you know they have got their M DAC range and this is a, a tiny tiny device I put on the side that they had on their on their stand and I put a little what's it next to it a little <laughs> what's it crisp and which it was you a just happened to have your person yeah. yeah the worst thing was to put it back in the bowl afterwards <laughs> but um yeah they've also got that and that's going to be uh the obviously the the their budget offering I think it's going to come out about 200 pounds but you know, like the, a lot of their other MDACs, that will just be, you know, plug straight into the phone um, to just to make your smartphone sound better. And I think you can connect over Bluetooth, actually. So I think it's wireless. Didn't they have a small amp as well? Um, the 6000 amp? Yeah, so they, well, in 2015, they launched their 8300 series. 8300 series, which we, I think we reviewed the amplifier, maybe the CD player. I think we did. They've always done fairly well for us at that point, but this is going to come in cheaper. Uh, the 6000 series, it's going to be an amplifier and a CD transport. Excellent. Your turn, Cash. So, so far we've had baby elephant monoblock amplifiers and musical ears headphones. What was uh, your favourite thing in Munich? My highlight is finding speakers that are much, much taller than me. Because I keep, like that's never I keep. <laughs> well, you say that I keep challenging Ketan to bring in. What does the M stand for? In that taller case. than me, oh, and so far he hasn't. I'm five foot tall, or short rather. But yeah, most speakers I can I can look over the top of, which is sometimes disappointing. But at Munich, <laughs> at Munich is where you get speakers that are six, seven foot tall. So you had um, 
loads of horn speakers, normally the stuff that we wouldn't really review, um, really. But the the highlights for me was uh, PMC brought out their new flagship speaker. It's Fact Fenestria. And that Fact. is... You say that again, just in case people thought you were lifting. <laughs> Fact Fenestria. Fact Fenestria, Fenestria. meaning... Yeah. Well, Fact is uh, their... Uh, I think they're high-end range, mm-hmm. and fenestria, I believe, means window, because that's where defenestration comes from. Well, that's right. I mean, fenster is German for window, isn't it? Fenestra I think it's something like French, windows to your soul, oh, music don't, or don't air. Say that's it's to something do with like transparency. that. Oh yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're the way they've done is quite interesting. Um, they have the central idea of they're going to decouple everything to kind of minimize any kind of vibration or unwanted discoloration affecting every part of the speaker. So they've, they've decoupled the tweeter from the mid-range, which is uh, housed in its own aluminiumness that's decoupled from the rest of the drivers. And they're using, because they're so tall, they're using uh, technology that's used in skyscrapers to kind of limit earthquake damage. And so side panels are kind of separate from the main cabinet and it kind of opposes any vibrations. And it's absolutely mad from just one very simple design conceit. And But it, it did sound quite cool and, and it's so quite amazing. So if, even if you lived on a fault line, you, you know, your house may collapse <laughs> around yeah, you. Yeah, but your the speakers will be intact, will be so fine. that's what's important. Excellent. On that note, <laughs> we'll be back after this. We can have a look at some of the reviews that we've put up on the website lately and that will be featuring in the magazine. And I thought that we could talk particularly about the Spendor Classic 2.3s because we spent the first half of this podcast discussing the high-end. These are reasonably high-end loudspeakers because they cost more than £3,000 a pair, so I think that counts. Ketan, you're particularly taken with these, I know. Why don't you tell me about them? Yeah, Spendors uh, are interesting. Um, they're new speakers, but they're actually old speakers. And they call them classic, which must mean they must be old. <laughs> um, they're based on a, um, the techniques that the BBC um, developed back in the, the 60s. You know, it's about a certain type of cabinet construction, thin wall cabinet construction, um, a certain type of drivers, um, the cabinets have to be a certain size. Um, all these things which have fallen out of fashion in recent times mm-hmm. with people going for smaller, skinnier speakers. These speakers, forget all about that. They are just big. They're very big floor stand. Well, um, stand do, mounted, sorry. Does this methodology insist that you end up with unfashionably large loudspeakers? No, but in order for them to sound um, good, you you basically need to, because let's face it, a good big speaker is just better, isn't it? Well, is a, is a joy forever, <laughs> yes. as, the, as the poet once said, I think. But, I mean, I... In some ways, Ketan, you and I are very different people, right? And the... Uh, I, th- I, I personally think that these speakers are <laughs> too large and too homely-looking, he said, choosing his words carefully, to, to win a lot of favour with a lot of consumers, I think. I think there's, there's kind of a willfulness about them, as far as I can tell. One of the ways they demonstrate how very purposeful they are is by squatting in the corner of your room looking like wood-veneered washing machines. Yeah, I see things a little bit differently. Um, I wouldn't put them in a corner of any living room because they wouldn't sound right there. Okay, that's my first mistake. Well, they're they're styled, um, they're they're quite retro in terms of style, but I think it's the kind of look that once you put in your room, you can look, um, you can kind of not get distracted by them really quite quickly because they're just a plain wooden box. They're not um, obsessively high-tech looking. They don't keep drawing your attention. You leave them in the room and you can ignore them after a while. And after a while, you just listen to them and they don't stick out. Okay. 
Well, Cash, you'll back me up, right? These are these are too big and ugly to to ever be a runaway sales success. They're not ugly. Oh, <laughs> but no, it, I mean they are. I mean, they are massive, and if you you know if you don't have the space for it, and I can't remember how much they are, so let's gonna three thousand two hundred and ninety five pounds per pair, and that's without the stands, right? Right, and stands, stands are about six hundred quid. You're looking at four grand or yeah, but they they are they are plain wooden boxes, and after a while you can just they just look like a piece of furniture, so they do kind of become background, not background listening because they do sound really good, but you it just yeah you just don't notice them after a while. Well, fair enough. So. They need a glossy white cabinet, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then they just stick out. Then you'd always notice them. Not if you've got white walls. <laughs> <laughs> and just true. no other furniture in your room. Just two black just That's very true. I mean, I'll get behind why, that because yeah. you're, by your rationale, if you, these won't stick out if you live in a sauna. Why would you live in a sauna? <laughs> so that the wood panelling just... But that or a, a, an Edwardian no, what drawing. You have to live in a Scandinavian shed for these to blend into the background. When I say they don't stick out, it's, it's just that they don't keep um, drawing your attention. They're there. You do see them. They don't do an invisible act or something. But, but you know, after a while, they just, they're not obtrusive. They don't, um, they don't keep shouting for attention. And a lot of the, the kind of skinnier kind of speakers that you like uh, or smaller, <laughs> so you say, you know, you know, yeah. They they just self-consciously, yeah. They they're just kind of self-consciously stylish, if you like, and that keeps drawing your attention. Sure. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not take any of that person care Don't and just. Do. What, what do they sound like? What do the spenders sound like? They do everything that hi-fi should do. You know, they um, they're clear, they're authoritative, they do dynamics really well, but they just don't do it in a showy way. So pretty soon you ignore the fact you're listening to hi-fi and you just listen to the song that you put on. Are they similar in a way to our ATC, apart from in looks, obviously? Um, they're not, actually. They're, they're a little bit gentler sounding than our ATCs. They're a little bit more relaxed. But even if they're relaxed, they still convey the excitement in up, upbeat tracks. Cool. Well, I think, I mean, in terms of the sound they make, I don't think there is any arguing with them, no. Um, I would be interested to know what the listeners thought. I would like to think that opinion will be, be divided uh, on the way they look, but we, you know, we'll find out. Um, but that's one of the reviews that we have put up on our website very recently. There's a lot of other good things that we've uh, reviewed since uh, we last did a podcast, of course. There's some good, uh, there's a brilliant Sony 4K projector, uh, a couple of good televisions, a, a Samsung QLED and an LG OLED, and uh, a very agreeable uh, desktop DAC headphone amp by a company that has chosen to call themselves Shit Audio, and that's S-C-H-I-I-T. So, all right, if I go back from the spenders being willful, would you concede that calling your company Shit Audio is willful? I think so. Yes. I, I think they revel in it, though. If you look at their website, um, they just make jokes about the name and, and so on. So they're quite happy make with that. Make you other puns, people. Yes, <laughs> we did. It's like fine audio, though, isn't it? Yes. Well, the well, fine is a place, isn't it? Fine is a place. Well, it's a true. rock, isn't it? And they are a Scottish company. And also, fine is generally perceived to be a positive word, I think. <laughs> Unlike, you know, other words that might be available <laughs> to you if you are a hi-fi company. But it's a good product. Yes, it does no, sound I mean, good. That's why I brought it up. It was nothing to do with getting a cheap lap at all. Um, so, yeah, so do check us out at whathifi.com and have a look at uh, What Hi-Fi magazine because all of these fine items and more and some items that aren't so fine are all reviewed on there there'll be some more after this 
Welcome back. So I thought to finish up with, we might have a look at one or two of the features that we've uh, published lately. And there was something that went up the other day, which I was particularly interested in, Becky, and that was 25 of the best tracks for testing bass. Everyone loves bass, right? Everyone loves bass. Everyone and I'm actually yet to test many of these tracks. Um, and I might actually save it for the office rather than at home. So I don't think my ground floor neighbours would be very impressed if I, <laughs> if you if were I testing spent two bass. hours testing 25 bass tracks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great list. It's a diverse list. You've got everything from Rush um, to Bicep to, you know, I think we can all admit around this table that we've all gone through a stage of testing with a Massive Attacks Angel. Yeah, that is a real, real good one for bass. Yeah, I mean, there is there are loads of just uh, staple songs that we use for testing. So there's Massive attack, uh, attack, there's Wildfires. There was a Subtract, subtract, wildfire. subtract wildfire. Yeah. But it's not just about how low a bass note can go. It's also about just how how taut it is, how punchy it is. There's loads of different bass sounds from cello or drums or bass guitar and other instruments that other go instruments very, very low. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a very diverse list and things that you probably wouldn't necessarily have thought about when testing bass. So no, that's true, but there fun. are things to, I mean, the point of it obviously is to offer recordings that can test different elements of the way your system responds with bass, right? And if you, it's not, as, as Cash said, Kurt, it's not just a question of being able to, to, to dig really deep or to hit really hard. There's the texture and the tonality to be considered as well. Yeah, you know, um, not all of us can have big speakers, uh, so I've been told that. <laughs> and, uh, all but of us that want them. Not, not all of us want them, but you know, there's there's more to bass. Exactly as you've said, there's more to bass than just the extension. You know, it's it's got to be fast. It's got to be tuneful. It's got to show the textures in the instruments and the sounds that people have shown. You know, people spend a lot of time, or they should spend a lot of time, producing um, the music. So, you know, th there's a lot of detail there, which which is really easy to overlook. Why do you think it is that people respond so so much to the bass, right? I mean, because logically you would think that it would be the mid-range that, that people would connect with most of all because that's where human voices are and ever since you're, you're an infant, you know, it's, it's all about voices. So what do you think it is about the bass that, that exercises people so much? I think it's the only bit of the sound that you can feel. Right. You, so it, it physically it has an impact on you, whereas mid-range and treble don't. Um, I think right, just as humans... Um, we respond to to feeling the sound all the way from a tremor of a T-Rex in, in a film yeah. um, to a great bass line. It, I think it all has a, a, an impact on us. Excellent. Well, that is, uh, that's well worth a look. I think there's a accompanying playlists for our 25 tracks to test your system's bass as well. So you can uh, let us know how you get on with that. Um, well, the good features that we've published lately, with there's a big visit to uh, Chord. Yeah, that was me. About. Yeah, I went to court last month. Oh, yeah. um, Show you a good time, did they? Uh, well, they did Three indeed. in the morning, police yeah. calls. No, no, not quite. No, more, more of a tame affair this time. But yeah, I went to their um, offices uh, in Maidstone, and I mainly went there to be honest to talk about the cord. You know, and they announced two products in Munich and uh, another one at CES earlier this year. Um, so the the cord Mojo might be considered an, an older product now, but it's still one of the you know important products in their portfolio it's the first you know, after doing um, flirting with portability in the hugo it's the first mobile deck that they put out and it was very different for cord at that time to put out a product like that for one it was only 400 pounds um, which for a mobile accessory might seem quite steep but for cord that you know that's the entry level point into cord ownership now um yeah so i went over there i spoke to john franks um 
who's the chief designer, and Matt Bartlett, who's another designer there. And um, yeah, it's it's worth the read. They talk about you know everything from how the idea of making a portable deck came along, and it was largely due to um, cultural change. Cultural you know, change. Yeah, you know, years ago, you know, people would have got married, and hi-fi would have been quite at the their list you know quite early on as things to buy and nowadays that's not really case and they sort they sort well, of they don't get married or they well they get married <laughs> later and hi-fi is not one of those you know you don't buy the car the bed and then the hi-fi you know the hi-fi might be quite later in life not not for, maybe not for care <laughs> yeah. you know they talked about how they wanted to get to the desktops of people Okay. Um, and that's how this whole journey started. And, well, we've you been know, giving Mojo Awards for like three years now, haven't we? Yeah, so well, exactly. You know, it's now got the the poly streaming module that attaches directly to it. So, you know, in in Cord's view, it's uh, what the product wanted to be. You know, in the very first place. But you know, for a mobile accessory, a Cord DAC, uh, Mojo DAC, and a poly streaming module is you know nearly a thousand pounds. So, really, ha- how desperate are you for your mobile sound to to sound good well it's uh, that's that's a very valid question but at least a read of that uh, feature will go some way to reassuring people that, that their money was properly invested in the first place i think but uh, that's one of the many excellent features that you can read on whatHiFi.com and in what hi-fi magazine and i think it's just about time for us to say ta i will do just one or two below the line comments from facebook uh, from YouTube, rather, oh, yeah. um, because we have, but to bring this back to what we were talking about earlier, Kethan, we have a video about Dan D'Agostino's Momentum Integrated Amplifier yep. on YouTube. Uh, and there's a comment below there that says, uh, it's the Ferrari or McLaren of amplifiers. Other amplifiers are just a forward focus. If I won the lottery, it is the single first item on the first day I would purchase to hell with a new car or house, quintessence in a box. And the uh, first reply to that is, are you high or joking? <laughs> so once again, our YouTube channel never, I mean, it just doesn't fail ever. It's well worth a below the line read. Anyway, thanks very much for listening to us. Do check us out in the next week or so when we'll have our next podcast up. And in the meantime, have a look at whatHiFi.com to see what we've been up to. But uh, I'll say thanks, Ketan. Thanks, Cash. Thanks, Becky, for joining me. Thanks to Silent Adam, the producer, who will be returned in triumph to a podcast very soon, I'm sure. I've been Simon Lucas, and we'll talk to you again soon.